Welcome to Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a radio ministry of the Institute for Creation Research. In this program, we want to encourage you in your Christian faith by showing how scientific evidence supports the Bible, particularly the Genesis account. The book of Genesis lays the foundation for all matters addressed in the rest of the Bible. The nature of God, His sovereignty in creation, man's purpose, sin, marriage, family, and why we need a Savior are all introduced and explained in Genesis. When we see that the first and most foundational book of the Bible can be trusted in all matters, including science, it builds confidence in the rest of the inspired Word all the way to Revelation. On today's show, we'll hear from Dr. Jake Hebert, physicist and research associate with the Institute for Creation Research. Here's Dr. Hebert. For the last year or so, I have been working on a major research project that I'm getting close to finishing up. And I have been studying the way that secular scientists date seafloor sediments. And actually, I've been studying this general topic for even longer than that probably two or three, maybe even four years. Now, seafloor sediments may not seem like a terribly exciting topic, and I can understand why someone might think that. But let me tell you why this is a potentially very exciting area of research here at the Institute for Creation Research. It's because the seafloor sediments are closely related to secular theories about ice ages. Now, there is very strong evidence, geological evidence, for an ice age. Secular scientists claim that there have been many ice ages throughout Earth history, but really there's only good geological evidence for one. And we would argue that this recent ice age was the result of the Genesis flood. And basically, in a nutshell, we can explain how the flood caused an ice age if you remember a little acrostic heat H-E-A-T. And really, this is just my way of summarizing some of the groundbreaking work that has been done by creation scientist Mike Ord. But basically, we think that as a result of the Genesis flood, the oceans were significantly warmed. That's the H, hot oceans. The E stands for evaporation. So if you significantly warm the oceans, you're going to get a lot more evaporation. That's going to put a lot more moisture into the atmosphere, which is going to result in more precipitation, including snowfall at high latitudes and elevations. And then the A stands for aerosols. Uh, you would have had a lot of volcanic activity, particularly toward the end of the flood, as well as in the years afterwards, as the Earth sort of regained equilibrium after this cataclysmic event. And those aerosols are going to reflect a great deal of sunlight, which is going to give you a pronounced cooling effect which we know from observation of recent volcanic eruptions, that cooling effect is greatest during the summer and autumn months. And so that cooling effect is going to keep a lot of the snow and ice from melting, and that's going to enable these thick ice sheets to build up. And the T in that acrostic stands for time, particularly a short time. The reason that secular scientists can't use this fairly straightforward explanation for an ice age is because they believe that these volcanic eruptions have been separated by thousands and even millions of years. So even though everyone, both creation and secular scientists, agree that these volcanoes can result in significant cooling, they can't really make use of that because they insist that those eruptions were separated by such large amounts of time that any cooling effect would have been diluted. So really, the short biblical timescale is the key to explaining an ice age. 
Well, naturally, secular scientists, because they reject the biblical account of creation and the flood, they have to come up with some other explanation for an ice age. In fact, they've come up with dozens of theories. In fact, in the 1960s, they had around 60 theories. I think now they've actually got over 100. But the one that has become particularly dominant is something called the Milankovitch or Astronomical Theory of Ice Ages. And basically, there are some very subtle changes that are slowly occurring in Earth's orbital and rotational motions. The tilt of the Earth's axis today is about 23 and a half degrees, but that tilt is slowly changing. The shape of the Earth's orbit is slowly changing. Sometimes it's more elongated, sometimes it's more circular. And you have these kind of changes coming on. There's a wobble of the Earth's axis that's occurring, but these are very, very slow changes. And on the biblical time scale, they would be insignificant. But secular scientists, because they believe the solar system has been in existence for billions of years, they feel free to extrapolate these motions backwards hundreds of thousands and even millions of years into the past. And as a result of that, you would have changes in the way the sunlight is falling on the earth, or, or more precisely, the way that light is distributed with latitudes and with seasons. And so they think there are going to be certain times where you're going to have more summer sunlight falling on the ice sheets that we have in the high northern latitudes. And they think when that happens, the ice sheets will shrink, they will recede, and you'll have a warmer period, what they would call an interglacial. And then when you have less of that summer sunlight falling on the northern high latitudes, the ice sheets will grow, they will expand, and you have what we call, in popular speech, an ice age, what they would call a glacial interval. And in this theory, there are some dominant orbital and rotational motions of the Earth that have lengths of 100,000, 41,000, and 23,000 years. But what we're going to see is that there are a lot of things about this theory that don't really make sense, and we'll discuss that in the next segment. What happened to the dinosaurs? Are monkeys and people the same? Why do we live on Earth and not some other planet? Kids have some great questions about God's creation, but do you have the answers for them? At the Institute for Creation Research, our scientists and Bible scholars have produced The Guide to Creation Basics. This book contains full-colored images and fascinating commentary from experts in biology, geology, astronomy, and biblical study. Guide to Creation Basics can help teach your children how the animals could fit on Noah's Ark, how dinosaurs and humans could live at the same time, and how God's power and wisdom can be seen in something as small as a single cell. Find basic answers to your child's biggest creation questions. Order your copy of Guide to Creation Basics from the Institute for Creation Creation Research by calling 800-628-7640 or visiting www.icr.org. Welcome back to Science, Scripture, and Salvation. Here's Dr. Hebert. We're talking about this Milankovitch theory of ice ages, what is sometimes referred to as the astronomical theory. And this is the theory that most secular scientists accept as an explanation for ice ages. And they believe that there have been about 50 ice ages 
within the last two and a half million years or so. The one thing, however, that this theory has going for that is that the scientists have analyzed the seafloor sediments. And remember that secular scientists believe that these sediments were slowly deposited over many millions of years. And you can make chemical measurements within those sediments. And there's one particular quantity that they can calculate, something called the oxygen isotope ratio. And it's a measure of how much of one kind of oxygen you have, what we call one isotope of the oxygen atom compared to another. And you can make these measurements and you can even plot them on a graph as a function of depth down one of these sediment cores. And when you're in a seafloor sediment core, uh, basically when you have very high values of this oxygen isotope ratio, that's thought to indicate that there was a lot of ice. Globally, there was a large amount of ice. And when you have low values, that's supposed to indicate less ice. So they think that these chemical wiggles are telling a story about how climate has changed over many millions of years. Well, in 1976, there was an iconic paper, and that's no hype. This is an iconic paper that was published entitled The Pacemaker of the Ice Ages, and it was published in the journal Science. And what these scientists did was they examined chemical wiggles as well as some other variables in two sediment cores from the Indian Ocean. And when they analyzed these wiggles, they found that there were dominant cycles of 100,000, 41,000, and 23,000 years. Now, if you will remember, those correspond to these dominant orbital cycles that secular scientists believe we should see if the solar system is, in fact, billions of years old. And so because they found evidence for these 100,000, 41, and 23,000-year cycles, that was seen as very, very strong evidence for the Milankovitch theory. And that's the reason I think that most secular scientists today believe in this theory. But what I have been doing for the last year or so, really over a year, is been taking a very, very close look at this paper. And I found some very serious problems with this paper. First, there are multiple versions of the data from these cores with subtle differences between them. Now, most of these differences are trivial. You can attribute them to slight measurement error. It's not a big deal. But in a few cases, there are data points that were used apparently in the earlier versions of the data, but then they were removed from later versions. And so it's hard to tell if there's a single definitive data set for these quantities in these cores. But that in and of itself is probably not too big a deal. There are two other issues, however, that are much more significant. First, the scientists, when they did their analysis, excluded nearly a third of all the available data from the second core. And I think they did so on very flimsy grounds. The question I have is what would happen if you were to redo the analysis, including that data? And we do have access to those data because other scientists have since gone and measured those quantities. The other issue here with this paper is that when they were assigning ages to these seafloor sediments, they made use of the most recent magnetic reversal. You know, the Earth's magnetic field has flipped in the past. And we creation scientists think this happened during the flood very recently. There's very strong evidence that these reversals occurred very rapidly. But nevertheless, secular scientists believe that these changes occurred slowly over thousands of years. But at the time they did this analysis, the secular scientists believe that this reversal occurred 700,000 years ago. 
Well, they no longer believe that. They now claim that this reversal occurred 780,000 years ago. And so the question I have is what would happen if you were to redo the analysis, do everything the same, but you take into account that change in age as well as the rest of the data from the second core? Would the results still support the Milankovitch theory? And so that's what I've been working on for the last year or so. And there's a lot of significance to this because the secular scientists use the Milankovitch theory for a whole bunch of things. They use it to date other seafloor sediments. They use it to date ice cores. They even use it to date one particular radioisotope dating method. So if this theory is shown to be on flimsy grounds, it would be like a chain of collapsing dominoes that would be extremely problematic for their dating methods. Thank you for joining us on Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a radio ministry of the Institute for Creation Research. That's all the time we have for our program today, but we would love to connect with you through our website at icr.org. For over 45 years, ICR has equipped believers with evidence of the Bible's accuracy and authority by showing how science supports the Genesis creation account. Our scientists research the evidence for creation and communicate their findings through books, articles, DVD series, and conferences. Please visit our website at icr.org for more information about the latest scientific discoveries, to subscribe to our free magazine and devotional, and to locate our next creation conference at a venue near you. All of this and more at icr.org. If you've enjoyed this podcast, subscribe to Science, Scripture, and Salvation on iTunes. Also, do us a favor and rate and review the show so that more listeners can find us. Thanks for listening, and God bless.